Lord, thank you for being a God who knows my needs and for being a God who is able and willing and faithful to meet my needs just exactly when they need to be met. Have you found God to be faithful to do just that? Is he faithful? He is. We praise God for that. This morning in Matthew 17, uh, we see the Lord uh, in an extraordinary way. This is, this is the transfiguration, it's, and it's an extraordinary event. Um, and uh, I want to uh, offer the thought this morning that uh, it is a very purposeful event. Uh, the Lord was not transfigured. Uh, he did not just change his appearance before his disciples, uh, Gary, to entertain them or for just no reason at all. He had a great purpose for that this morning. What I'd like to do this morning is to, is to consider uh, what he was doing for his disciples, uh, those that were permitted to be present for uh, his transfiguration. Now, think about kind of where we are in the, in the Bible timeline. We know geographically we're, we're kind of up north, right? We're, we're up north in, in uh, Galilee, and we know that we're getting toward the end of the, the Lord's earthly ministry. It's his late Galilean ministry. Uh, we know that he's already made pretty strong allusions to the cross, right? And if you're one of his disciples, you might be struggling with some discouragement at this point. They've, they've seen some positive things, but they've seen some things that might be discouraging. Uh, do you struggle with anything that might be discouraging, church? Anybody here ever get discouraged? Sister, you ever get discouraged? Uh, no, pastor, never. Uh, Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, help us to look to you when we're tempted to be discouraged. Uh, they were struggling to comprehend the Lord's allusions to the cross and his death and his burial and resurrection. Uh, and uh, Brother Ed probably struggling with uh, temptation to be discouraged uh, about some things that they've experienced and, and, and that which they were now anticipating. Uh, and so I believe the Lord, one of the great purposes for the transfiguration uh, was to encourage uh, those men, to encourage them. We'll, we'll get into that. But this morning, I, I want you to see that I, I, through the transfiguration, the things that were accomplished there, what they saw, what they heard the Lord say, what they experienced there, uh, I believe we can see that God was meeting some specific needs they had for encouragement. Uh, they needed to be corrected a little bit in their understanding of certain things. Have you ever needed to be corrected in your understanding of certain things? I have. I'm going to confess that. Uh, they needed to be comforted. Uh, have you ever needed to be comforted? <laughs> Church? Uh, can, can, yes. Uh, can you look to the Lord and find comfort? You most certainly can. He's faithful. Uh, are you indwelt this morning by the one who is called the comforter? You are, if, if you know Christ as your Savior. Uh, and we see the Lord instructing them here as well. And so, uh, I believe the Lord understood they needed encouragement. I believe the Lord understood that they, they needed, they're going to need to be corrected a little bit in their understanding of some things. The Lord certainly understood they, they needed to be comforted uh, and instructed. I praise God that uh, my God, who's your God also, right? He's still in, in the business of accomplishing all four of those things in the life of his people. We praise him for that this morning. Uh, we'll praise him for that this morning. I want you to see this morning how uh, I believe the Lord used the transfiguration to accomplish those specific ministries to his disciples just exactly when they needed that. Uh, we're here in, I said, 
uh, Matthew uh, 17. I want to ask you, I've got to get there, Brother Gary. I'm still stuck back in Sunday school. Uh, we'll look at a few fewer verses. We, we, we went on quite a journey through a lot of verses in Sunday school this morning. But look back with me, please, for a moment at Matthew 16. I want to uh, just look back here for one moment. Um, Matthew 16, uh, verse 28. Matthew 16, verse 28. The uh, Bible says this. Jesus said this. Verily I say uh, unto you, uh, there be some, uh, some standing here, which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man uh, coming in his kingdom. And I think I mentioned last week there's probably a temptation to misunderstand that verse. Maybe some understood it or misunderstood it in, in that day. Uh, we understand if we just keep reading uh, that it becomes clear. The Bible makes it clear that the Lord was alluding to, he was referring to his transfiguration, uh, Brother Art, where, where he would uh, allow some of his disciples to see him uh, in his glorified form, the way he would appear, having experienced the cross, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, uh, and ascension. They, he, they, I believe the Lord allowed them to glimpse, glimpse him as he was perhaps before he came, but also as he would be uh, after his ascension, and certainly the way he would be during his millennial reign, uh, the ascended, glorified uh, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the, the transfiguration. And, and of course, this, this be a great encouragement to them. So uh, we see here this promise in verse 28. Uh, it, it is evidently fulfilled in this supernatural event that is the transfiguration uh, here in the first part of chapter 17. Uh, again, I'm reminded this morning, Brother Gary, if the Lord says something is going to happen, it's going to happen, amen? Uh, and anyone who was tempted to misunderstand verse 28 in his day, or someone in our day just reading through the Bible might be tempted, if you'll just keep reading, the Lord will, he clears things up, and, and we, we praise God for that. So there's a promise made in, in verse 28, and the Lord is faithful to keep that promise here in the opening portion uh, of chapter 17. You, you can stay seated this morning. I want to read just uh, two or three verses here. We'll take it kind of uh, several verses at a time this morning. But, but here the Bible says in, in Matthew 17, beginning in verse 1, uh, and after six days, uh, so six days after that promise, Jesus taketh Peter, uh, James, and John, his inner circle really, uh, his brother, uh, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, apart from others, and was transfigured. Uh, he, was, he was transfigured or transformed. The underlying word is, is the word that our English word metamorphosis comes from. He was transfigured or transformed evidently in his appearance. He was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. I'm going to stop there and pray again uh, and then jump in and, and share some thoughts with you. Let's, let's bow our heads, please. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for this passage. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the entire account of the transfiguration that we'll, we'll read before we're done here this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you so very much for all that is revealed uh, as you revealed your glory uh, in this moment. Lord, I thank you this morning that uh, we can see that uh, not only were you faithful to do what you said you would do, uh, 
but that you did it for uh, purposes that we have the privilege to see and to be encouraged by this morning. Lord, you encouraged these men, and you corrected them, and you comforted them, and you instructed them. Lord, thank you this morning that you are still very much ministering those ministries to your people, uh, including me and including the people of Long Hill Baptist Church. Lord, we're grateful. I pray this morning that you teach us to be grateful and, and to pray grateful prayers for those things. Lord, help me now this morning. I need that. I really do, and I thank you for it. Work here now, Father, exactly that which you desire this morning. Help us all now to yield our hearts to you and work here that which you desire. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. The transfiguration of Christ this morning. Number one this morning, I want us to see, I've told you this several times already, uh, at his transfiguration, the Lord encouraged his disciples. Write that down, please. Uh, he encouraged his disciples. Uh, look with me back at verse one, please. I want us to see the significance of several aspects of what we're able to see here. Uh, after six days, that's the time, Jesus taketh uh, Peter, James, and John, his brother. Uh, so the significance of the people, is this all of the disciples here? Is it all? It's, it's not all of them, and that's interesting. Uh, he, he could have had the 12 here. He could have had many more than that here. Uh, he didn't, and so we'll have to assume that there must be some significance uh, we understand that Peter, James, and John, uh, they are in a very real sense, in a practical sense, sort of the inner circle uh, for the Lord. They, they, these are the men who are closest to him, and, and as a result of that, have experienced some of the greatest uh, spiritual privileges uh, in, the, in their ministry with Christ. And uh, I don't think this is my original thought, but I remember reading that uh, we, ought, we do well to consider that uh, these three who were closest to the Lord did experience some of the greatest privileges and, and, and blessings um, uh, throughout the Lord's uh, ministry. Do you think this morning that it was a great privilege and blessing for these three who were closest to the Lord to witness his transfiguration, to glimpse his glory? Would that have been an incredible blessing, uh, a great blessing? And so I think, Brother Art, we could sort of mine out a principle here and just remind ourselves uh, that the Lord desires to bless those that draw close to him uh, and, and stay close to him, uh, not just people that kind of casually meander through life, thinking of the Lord sometimes, being in church sometimes, serving sometimes, being in our Bible sometimes, but, but people who have a genuine desire to walk closely uh, with the Lord, uh, we can find strength in the Lord to do that as we yield to him. And when we do that, even, now today, uh, we, we, we're not going to have the specific privilege of, of the transfiguration, not, not exactly as these men did, but might we know other blessings for choosing to walk very closely with the Lord? Church, many blessings, many blessings in, indeed. Uh, just God working in our lives and, and ministering comfort to us and uh, and peace and, and the fruits of the Spirit, all, all of the blessings uh, that, that we're so familiar with as his people. I think this morning we do well to see it's significant that these three people, the ones that are closest to the Lord, are the ones that have the privilege uh, to experience this great blessing. Lord, help us 
uh, to be the people that walk closest with you and, and to know uh, your blessings. So I think there's, there's some significance here uh, to the people and the, and the ones who knew this special blessing of, of his encouragement. The people are those that are closest to him. I want you, I've got three Ps here for you. Uh, uh, sort of a sermon within a sermon as I do sometimes, Brother Gary. Um, see, consider the place also. Uh, consider the place. Uh, it is debated as to where exactly uh, this happened. Uh, there's a Catholic tradition that this is Mount Tabor. Uh, and if you were to take a Catholic tour through the Holy Lands, they take you to Mount Tabor and, and show you this place, say this is where the transfiguration occurred. But honestly, there's a lot of problems with that. There's, there's, there's some practical problems with that, that that make that seem pretty unlikely. Uh, and one man said Mount Hermon is a better possibility, uh, far better likelihood uh, of being the place. It's just north of Caesarea Philippi where the Lord has been ministering. So uh, to get uh, from, from there uh, to Mount Tabor in six days would be technically possible, but it'd be really tough. It would be very challenging. Uh, this this Mount, Mount Hermon seems, being just north of Caesarea Philippi where the Lord has been ministering, uh, seems like a, a much better and, and more practical possibility. Uh, it's 10,000 feet high. Uh, one man writes it can be seen throughout much of northern Galilee. Uh, this is likely a much more likely place uh, to be the Mount of, of Transfiguration. Now, uh, one man notes that, that Hermon, Mount Hermon is out, technically outside of the land. It, it would be in Syria uh, and therefore suggests uh, some significance to the place as well. Now, Christ came, Brother Art, did he not? He came uh, in fulfillment of Scripture uh, and very much offering his kingdom to the Jews at that time, right? We understand that, that, that he was rejected uh, and his kingdom was rejected uh, and therefore has been deferred throughout this church age. Uh, and that the Lord, in, in a real sense, turned to Gentiles, not putting off Jews forever. Uh, does, does the Lord still have a plan to reach Jewish people, church, Jewish people, Jewish people? Does he still have a plan to reach? We're spending a lot of time looking at uh, the tribulation period and the judgments that the Lord has prophesied uh, through Isaiah in, in Sunday school now. I would encourage you to be here for that if you can. Uh, he has a plan to reach them, uh, and he's not ignoring them today, but it seems like his focus today is relatively more on Gentiles and churches uh, today. And so uh, this, uh, this is probably a, a truth that's being brought out in the, the significance of the place. It's a Gentile place, the place that is most likely to be the place of, of the, the Mount of Transfiguration is very much a Gentile place. Uh, yes, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah is there. And, and yes, two Jewish figures are going to appear with him there. Uh, but this is a Gentile place, which uh, probably has the significance of, of just communicating that the Lord, uh, as much as he came first for Jews, he came for Gentiles also. Anybody here a Gentile? I'm a Gentile. Uh, aren't you glad that he, he, he's, he's, he's turned his attention to Gentiles also? Uh, and so there's, there's significance probably to the place. It points to the reality that, that the Lord Jesus 
Uh, and salvation is, is, is available not only to Jews, but, but Gentiles also. And we praise him for that. We, we praise him for that this morning. So uh, no doubt there's significance to the people who are present. Uh, there's a special blessing for those that stayed closest to him. That's a principle that we should mine out and, uh, and ask the Lord to help us apply to our lives today. There's a significance to the place and certainly, uh, there's great significance to what is pictured, there's a third P, if you like, uh, what is pictured visibly uh, in, in the physical transformation of his appearance uh, that we see here today. Look, look in verse 2, uh, and let's just see this quickly. Uh, he was transfigured, uh, transformed. Uh, his appearance was metamorphosized. Uh, like the butterfly, right? The, 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 the butterfly that goes into the cocoon. What goes into the cocoon? Not a butterfly, but a what? The caterpillar comes out a butterfly, right? That it metamorphosizes. I don't have that backwards, do I? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, do I? I don't, do I? I don't think so. Anyway, that's, that's our word metamorphosis. That's the word that's, that's translated uh, transfigured here. His appearance was transformed before them. Well, what did they see? What did they see? Verse two, his face did shine as the sun. It was bright. Uh, there was a bright light about his face. Uh, it shined as the sun. Evidently, this is very significant. Uh, his raiment was white as the snow. Evidently, that's very significant. Uh, the Lord chose to reveal his glory in this manner, no doubt with a very specific purpose uh, in mind. Richie could have showed himself, he could have revealed himself in, in any number of ways, but what they saw, no doubt, was designed to communicate truths that would be encouraging and, and comforting and instructive uh, to these three men who had the privilege to be there as those who had chosen to stay closest uh, to the Lord. He's, he's transfigured, and we have two descriptions here. Uh, his face did shine uh, as the sun. Uh, there, there was a bright light. Uh, there was a light. I understand this morning, and, and I think you do too, this was a physical light that they saw, but don't you, don't you just know this morning that it pictured the wonderful spiritual light that we have come to know through the Lord Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the light, amen? Have, have you found a spiritual light and a spiritual understanding, Brother Ray Metric, in the Lord Jesus Christ? Did he bring you out of spiritual darkness to a place of spiritual light? Is that a good thing, church? Uh, before I came to Christ, Brother Art, I was, I was 10 years old when I came to Christ, but I understand looking back, there's no doubt, biblically, I was in a place of spiritual darkness. Uh, I, I was spiritually dead uh, in a place of spiritual darkness. No doubt my life would have grown darker and darker spiritually if I did not come to Christ that day. But when I chose to repent of sin and place my faith in him, uh, I, I was brought out of that dark place by the light of Christ uh, into his light. Uh, wonderful verses. I mean, Paul describes uh, the Christ that he met uh, on the road, uh, Acts 26, 13. You just make a note of that. When he was testifying to King Agrippa in Acts 26, remember he, he met Christ on the road and he was saved glorious, well, gloriously that day. He said, I saw in the way a light from heaven. This was the resurrected Christ above the brightness of the sun shining round about me. 
uh, he had the privilege to see uh, the resurrected Christ. By the way, that light was so blind, a light, let me try again, bright that it blinded him, right? He was blinded by that light. The, the glory of the resurrected Christ, the brightness of his glory, uh, that light was so bright that it, it blinded him. Uh, in John 1, Jesus is called the life that was the light of men. Uh, we know uh, spiritual understanding and truth because Christ is the light that reveals uh, these things to us. Uh, in John 8 and verse 12, make a note of that, please. Uh, Jesus spake, saying, I am the light of the what? Of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I'm thankful for that this morning. I'm thankful that he's brought me from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. I'm thankful this morning that it's because of Christ that scripture is illuminated to me, uh, that I have the Holy Spirit to aid my understanding. I'm thankful this morning for the light of Christ uh, in my life. Bible says in 1 John 1.15 that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Are you thankful for a God who is perfect in every way this morning? Isn't that an amazing truth? He's perfect in every way. Uh, that's why we need a Savior, amen? That's why we need a Savior. Um, I understand this morning, turn over if, if you would, just for a moment, Revelation 21, uh, 23. Um, Revelation 21, 23. Here's a, we'll just spend one moment here, but, but turn there, please. Uh, here's, a, here's a picture of the, uh, John's vision, a wonderful vision of, of the New Jerusalem uh, coming down and, Revelation 21, 23 says this, And the city, uh, the new Jerusalem, hath no need of the sun, uh, neither of the moon to shine in it. Uh, please see, can we read the, the rest of this verse together, please? For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. That's extraordinary. Uh, that's extraordinary. Uh, no doubt what these three men, uh, the inner circle of Christ, experienced at his transfiguration uh, is the glory of Christ, uh, is a glimpse of how he would be uh, in his resurrected state. Uh, yes, his literal physical appearance, uh, but at the same time, his literal physical appearance that, that communicates great truth about who he is and, and what he's like. Uh, praise God this morning for who he is uh, and what he's like. What about this second description? Uh, the second description we see in verse 2. His raiment was what? What was it? White. What? White as the light. Uh, I understand that the, in, the, in the Bible, whiteness is, is used as a reference to what? To purity, uh, to sinlessness. Are you thankful this morning for a Savior who is absolutely sinless, a perfect sacrifice uh, that went to the cross for us? He's, Christ alone could be uh, a, a Savior who was perfect enough to go to the cross, a sinless, perfect sacrifice uh, for us. Uh, there's this, this word whiteness, purity, sinlessness uh, is, is used in, in association with Christ throughout Scripture. Lots of places in the book of Revelation. You could just listen uh, if you like. Maybe, maybe make a couple of notes. Revelation 6-2 at his return. Uh, John says, I saw and behold a white horse. 
a, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown given unto him, and he went forth conquering uh, and to conquer. Why is he pictured as being on a white horse? Well, it's no doubt a picture of his purity, a picture of his sinlessness, a picture uh, of his holiness. And by the way, Marilyn, we understand that it's because of Christ that all of our sin is forgiven uh, and that that kind of righteousness has been paid on to our account. And, and because of that, God the Father sees us as, as being that kind of white before him, holy and pure uh, and righteous in his eyes. Would you turn back to Revelation for a minute? I should have had you stay there. Forgive me. Uh, turn back and look at Revelation chapter 7. Uh, you forgive me, church, but go ahead and turn to Revelation uh, chapter 7. We see there in John's vision uh, in Revelation that uh, indeed because of Christ and, and his purity that's pictured as, as this whiteness, uh, believers are pictured the same way, uh, adorned with his purity, adorned with his righteousness uh, because of the cross. Revelation 7 uh, and verse 9, John says, uh, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, uh, which no man could number, uh, of all nations and kindreds uh, and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with what? White uh, robes. Uh, a wonderful picture of the purity and righteousness uh, the position of righteousness and holiness that we have in Christ today. Now listen, Brother Vitelli, I understand we're struggling to, to walk in that purity practically today, right? Our, our lives don't fully yet reflect the position of righteousness uh, that, that we know because of Christ today. But boy, in the day that John pictures in heaven, uh, those struggles will be behind us and there'll be a practical righteousness in our lives in that day. Don't you look forward to the day when the struggles uh, to obey are over, church? Can't, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, Lord, help me be patient, but give me that desire. Uh, we're pictured as clothed in white because of the position that we occupy in Christ. But boy, in that day, that position will be made practical. That's, a, that's our, our great hope. Here um, in Revelation, flip back to Revelation 19 and verse 7. Revelation 19 and verse 7. Here's the marriage supper of the Lamb, this wonderful event that we have to look forward to as believers. Uh, Revelation 19 and verse 7. Uh, after the rapture, after the resurrection of our bodies, the perfection of our bodies in and through Christ, uh, we have this wonderful event to look forward to. And John says, let us be glad, Revelation 19, 7, John writes, let us be glad and rejoice uh, and give honor to him, Christ, uh, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife, that's us, hath made herself ready. Uh, verse 8, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. What are the next two words, church? Clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints, the righteousness of uh, of saints. Uh, you know, we'll, I believe we'll literally be arrayed uh, in white, a reflection of our, uh, our, our position in Christ and that having been made uh, practical. Uh, but boy, what, what, a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing we have to look forward to because of Christ. Um, the final judgment 
uh, that we see in Scripture is a judgment of the lost, right? It's called the great white throne judgment. Uh, boy, that's significant, isn't it? Uh, the judge upon that throne, the one who will judge those that refused Christ and the gospel. Uh, he's pictured on a white throne, uh, an absolutely holy, perfect, just, righteous, holy uh, God who will do the judging and, and who will judge for sin. Aren't you glad tonight, that this morning, <laughs> forgive me, this morning, uh, that will not be judged for our sin. It's been paid for completely. And so we see here this morning great significance uh, to the privilege that these three, the inner circle, uh, witness. They, no doubt this would be incredibly, wonderfully encouraging to them. Yes, Christ is going to go to the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be buried, but he's going to raise, be raised again. He's going to ascend to heaven. He will come again in his millennium, uh, and, and, and we'll ha his people uh, will have the privilege to see him uh, in his glorified state, uh, and, and we too will very much be in a glorified condition uh, at that point in time as well. Church, we have a great hope. Amen? We have a great hope. Lord, help us not be discouraged, dis depressed, dismayed by all the trials uh, and challenges and, and difficulties that we see in the world. Lord, help us to be focused on the great hope uh, that we have in you. Let's go on here and, and, and see a couple things here quickly this morning. Uh, at his transfiguration, his disciples, no doubt, were very encouraged uh, by these things. Lord, thank you for being our encourager. Lord, thank you for encouraging us with all the hope that is suggested here. I see this morning also, number two, uh, that at his transfiguration, the Lord corrected them. He encouraged them, but he also corrected them. Look here uh, in verses three and four. Behold, uh, Matthew records, behold, there appeared unto them, uh, together with Christ, right, Moses and Elias, this is Elijah, Old Testament figures, uh, talking with him. Uh, very interesting, very interesting. We would surmise and guess at why the Lord chose to appear with, with Moses and Elijah. We won't take time to do that this morning. It's, it's obviously an extraordinary thing. Um, uh, no doubt it, 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 it may allude to the fact that Moses and, and Elijah uh, will be present with the Lord in the millennium. That, that probably is uh, one of the significant ideas here. Uh, so imagine for a moment that you're one of the disciples, one of the three who are present there, and you, you're witnessing the transfigured Christ, uh, and you're witnessing Moses and Elijah, and it becomes clear that these men recognize that this is Moses and Elijah. Evidently, Brother Art, the Lord reveals that to them. Uh, and Peter responds in a way in verse 4 that clearly was not consistent uh, with the Lord's desire. Uh, he misunderstood the Lord's desire. Could we just stop for a moment and ask ourselves, have you ever misunderstood the Lord's desire? You ever misunderstood anything about what God wanted for your life or his words? I mean, we're, we're people who understand uh, the, 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 the challenge, the struggle at times to understand what the Lord is trying to say to us. We have to kind of wrestle with God's words at times. 
imagine you were one of the three witnessing this, trying to come to terms with it, trying to understand it. Peter got some things wrong, but the Lord graciously corrected them. And he graciously corrects us today also. Look at verse 4. Uh, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, uh, it is good. I, I, I hear it like, Lord, it must be good if we would do this. Uh, it is good for us to be here. Uh, if thou wilt, uh, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Jesus, uh, one for Moses, uh, and, and one for Elias or Elijah. And Peter seems to be saying something like, hey, um, I, this is an extraordinary thing. Uh, Lord, we should do something for you. But I think that we could see here the mistake he makes is that he, he seems to equate Christ with Moses and Elias he, he seems to kind of view them all on the same plane, uh, having the same authority, uh, occupying the, the same glory and honor. Why would I say that? Well, his response, what he proposes to do for all three of them uh, is the same. Uh, he seems to misunderstand uh, this aspect of the vision. Uh, it's not that the God the Father is saying, here's Moses and Elijah and Christ, and, and they are equal in my eyes. Uh, if you're not sure about that, read the book of Hebrews. Uh, no, it's, it's not that at all, but, but Peter misunderstood. Uh, he misunderstood what the Lord desired to communicate here. By the way, is it not a mistake that many of the cults make to equate Christ with men? Uh, many of the cults will view Christ as not much different than than a man. And if you study the cults, you, you understand that. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, Christ was a great man. Uh, he came and taught great teachings. Brother Art, he taught that he was the son of God and that he's the only way to the father, but the cults will leave that out at times. They always want to add in something else because Christ was only a man in their eyes. No, he's, he's the God-man. He came as a man, but he also came as God the Son, the Son of God, the only begotten uh, Son of God. Uh, he's not the same as Moses. He's not the same as Elijah. He's their creator. Uh, but Peter misunderstood. His, his response uh, is, is rooted in a misunderstanding, evidently. One man says, Peter naively and foolishly equated Moses and Elijah uh, with Jesus. He had a foolishly equated mortal men, albeit redeemed with the Son of God. He placed the creature on the same plane as the Creator. Uh, God instantly corrected them. And praise God, praise God, we, we have a Lord who understands that His people will at times misunderstand and that He will have to correct us. Uh, I'm thankful this morning that He teaches us, He instructs us, He corrects us through His words. On this day, uh, the day of the transfiguration, uh, the disciples, the three, heard the correction of God the Father. Look at verse 5, the gracious correction of God the Father. Well, he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Don't forget that in many places in the Old Testament, the Lord's special presence was displayed as a cloud, right? Um, as, as the people traveled through the wilderness, uh, by day, his presence was seen as a cloud, right? He would lead them, and the cloud would settle over the tabernacle and so forth. We were downtown yesterday. It was a cloudy day, right? 
it was a cloudy day and the wind was blowing, but I, I would glance up at the sky and, and see the clouds. And I remember a while back when we were studying through Exodus, encouraging you, when you see the clouds, be reminded of the presence of God. Be reminded. I, don't, I understand today he's not using clouds that way as he did <laughs> in the wilderness, but um, there's still clouds and God is still present. Why, why not allow them to remind us uh, of his presence? And so I, I try to do that. Well, he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, imagine, imagine being there, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear all of you, ye, hear ye him. Uh, the father, God the father draws special attention to God the son. Uh, don't, don't treat him like the other two. He's their creator. Uh, he's my son. Uh, hear ye him. And so I think here there's, there's much here this morning, but uh, clearly God the Father is graciously correcting the misunderstanding uh, of Peter, which led to a kind of wrong, wrong uh, response uh, to what he saw. By the way, what God the Father says here, we, we see this somewhere else, right? Uh, this sounds familiar. At his baptism, right? At the baptism of Christ. Uh, Matthew 3.17, Lo, a voice from heaven was heard saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, God the Father was validating the, authenticating, validating the identity of his Son and indicating that he was well pleased with the Son. Uh, he was well pleased in the moment where Christ was doing what? where he was being baptized, where he was being baptized. Uh, that's the first act of obedience that God calls believers to, right? Uh, baptism, baptism. Uh, Lord, help us be faithful, be obedient to you. Um, all of that to say again this morning that the Lord graciously encouraged, number one, his disciples at the transfiguration. Number two, he graciously corrected their misunderstanding. We have a gracious God this morning, amen? Uh, Lord, teach us your words. Where we misunderstand, <laughs> correct us. Help us to learn your words uh, for your honor and your glory. Lord, thank you that we have the Holy Spirit uh, to illuminate, to help us understand, to remember. Uh, we understand that's made possible because of Christ, your only begotten son, creator of Moses and Elijah. Uh, I want you to see this morning, please, next, at the transfiguration. I think this is implied already, but we'll say it again. Uh, the Lord graciously comforted his disciples. He comforted them. When they heard the voice of the Father, they were frightened. Uh, they've not experienced anything quite like that before. Uh, they've, they've not uh, seen anything like this before. They've not heard the voice of the Father from a cloud uh, like this before. They may have heard that something like this happened at the baptism of Christ, but imagine how overwhelming and, uh, and fearful this might have been, just trying to come to terms with everything that's happening here, what they're seeing, what, what, what they're hearing. Uh, they're afraid. Verse 6, when the disciples heard it, uh, they fell on their faces. They didn't trip. Uh, they humbled themselves before God the Son and, and God the Father, one who they saw, one who they heard. They fell on their faces and were sore. They were very afraid. Well, it would be a very natural response 
response uh, to what they were experiencing. And there's a great fear uh, in, in their hearts. And in that moment, Christ evidently understands that. He's, he sees a humility there. They bow themselves down to the Father and, and to the Son. But no doubt, he knows uh, in their hearts they're struggling with a great fear. Do you ever struggle with fear, church? Do you ever struggle with fear? Do you ever struggle with worry or anxiety, church, ever? Isn't it good to know that, that uh, we have a God, we have a Savior who knows that? He knows that. And he is available to comfort his people. What does it say in Philippians 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? We look there all the time, right? Bring your cares, your concerns to him. This is a paraphrase, pastor's paraphrase. With thanksgiving. And he'll bless you with a peace that passeth understanding. That's a great promise. Uh, that verse in scripture, because we need it. <laughs> we need it. Uh, I'm thankful this morning that the Lord knows when we're struggling with fear and anxiety, with worry, he'll prompt us in our hearts. Hey, remember that Philippians passage? You, you bring those things to me with thanksgiving, and I'll crowd them out and allow my peace to pass in, to flow in in place of those things. Uh, here's just a wonderful picture of Christ's knowledge of their anxiety uh, and his gracious desire to comfort them. Verse 7, Jesus came uh, and touched them. I believe he physically put his hand upon them. He, he graciously came and uh, extended his hand to them, a wonderful demonstration of his love, and said, arise, it's okay to stand, uh, and be not afraid. Uh, he touched them, he comforted them, uh, he encouraged them. Brother Art, he's still in this business. He is, he's still in this business. Lord, thank you for being a savior who is available to comfort your people. Uh, if we just look to you for that. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. He's the only one left now. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, tell, uh, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Uh, he had his reasons. We won't go into that this morning. But he, in, in giving them this command, he reminded them again that he's going to rise from the dead. He'd have to die, obviously, to rise from the dead. But uh, this wonderful event, no doubt, has been to encourage them. Uh, and to correct them and to comfort them as they are anticipating his death, his burial, uh, and his resurrection. You see, once more, and we're done, uh, number four this morning, he, he graciously instructed them. He offers them just a, a little bit of instruction uh, that will be important to them. Uh, verse 10, his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elias must come first? They're they're referring back to a prophecy in Malachi 4 and verse 5 that um, Elijah would, would return uh, prior to uh, Christ and, and the cross. And we've studied that in Sunday school a number of times. If you have questions, come and see me. We, we talk more about that. But they had a misunderstanding. They're, they're, they're basically saying, well, well, that hasn't happened. 
Uh, and, and so how, how should we understand the fact that, that you've come and that, and that your cross is going to happen? Jesus answered, said unto them, Elias truly must, uh, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already. They knew him not and have not done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Verse 13, the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of, of John the Baptist. We understand that although John was not an incarnation of Elijah, he came in the spirit uh, and with the ministry of Elijah and Lord instructed them that that Malachi 4 prophecy was in fact fulfilled by John. He graciously uh, instructed them so that they might understand that no, there's nothing that prevents him coming and going to the cross and dying and being buried and resurrected again for the salvation of, of those that would come to him in faith. He graciously instructed them. Uh, Brother Vitaly, I'm thankful this morning we have a Savior uh, who is available to encourage us. And we have a Savior who's available to comfort us and to correct us and to instruct us. Are you thankful for that this morning? Lord, help us to look to you for all that we need. I'm going to stop there and pray. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, thank you this morning for this passage. It's extraordinary. <laughs> Father, I thank you for all that is pictured here, the men, the people, the place, the picture, that which is pictured, uh, great truths. Lord, these truths are an encouragement to us this morning, and I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you this morning for your encouragement and your comfort. I thank you that it's always available to us. Lord, we can choose to draw close to you. We can choose to uh, get into your word and, and to pray. Lord, thank you for grace to do just that. Thank you for the blessings that come with that. Lord, I thank you this morning that, that we can see also that you graciously corrected and instructed uh, your disciples. And Lord, I thank you that you remain in that business today also. Lord, we need your comfort and we need your correction. Lord, we need your encouragement and we need your instruction. We need all of these things. And I thank you, Father, this morning that all are available to us because of Christ. Lord, perhaps there's someone here this morning that needs your comfort in a special way. Maybe there's a, a significant trial. Lord, I pray this morning that that person would just bring that trial to you. Say, Lord, this is on my mind. This is a worry. It's a concern. This is a trial. I pray this morning, Father, that person would just bring that, that care and concern to you and that they'd take a moment to thank you that they can. And Lord, that you would bless that person with peace. Maybe there's someone this morning, Father, who's discouraged. You know. I pray this morning, Lord, that we've received encouragement from your words. Lord, I pray you help that person just to come to you this morning and, and confess that discouragement. Uh, perhaps there's a need to, to confess a, too much of a focus on oneself and one's trials and too little focus on you. Lord, maybe this morning there's a number of us that need to confess that. We're discouraged because we're focused more on ourselves and our trials than upon you. 
Lord, I pray you help us to confess that this morning. And then, Lord, that we'd yield and look to you for grace. Take our eyes off of ourselves and to put our eyes, our attention, our focus back upon you. Lord, maybe this morning there's, there's some who uh, are struggling with some issue of doctrine, some matter of understanding or misunderstanding. Lord, I pray this morning that you just help us to pray about that, bring that to you, and, and thank you that you're a God who does illuminate your words to your people. You aid our understanding. You instruct us. You correct our understanding. Lord, if there's a struggle in that regard this morning, I pray that you just help uh, that person or those people to come to you and, and pray, Lord, aid my understanding. Help me. I'll give you a moment to pray. Father, I thank you this morning that you're a God who knows what your people need exactly when we need it. Nothing escapes your attention, nothing escapes your eyes, and nothing slips your mind. Lord, there's no need that you cannot meet. I thank you this morning that you are a God who is faithful to keep your promises, to meet the needs of your people. Lord, thank you. Lord, I understand this morning that you're a loving Father who corrects his people when we need that, withholds blessings, when we need that correction. Lord, when we get right with you, I, I thank you this morning. You're a God who restores blessings. Lord, I pray this morning that you just put a, a great gratitude in our hearts. Yes, for our salvation, but also for how you work and minister to us as saved people. You're not a faraway God who's a hands-off God. You're a God who is imminent, a God who indwells us, and a God who actively ministers to us in our hearts and works in our lives. Lord, thank you. I pray this morning that you help us to be encouraged by these wonderful truths. Father, I pray uh, as we close with the song that you put a joy in our hearts that we would worship you and, and sing out to you and of you and with joy. And Lord, as we anticipate coming back tonight and looking back into the Psalms, I, I pray that you give us a, a desire to be here and, and Lord, a, a desire to come in with hearts bowed before you and, and, and hearts filled with joy at the privilege to come and assemble together again. And Lord, to worship you and to be an encouragement to one another. Give us that heart. Lord, I love you this morning, and thank you for our church. Thank you for each one who's come out. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning.